the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. I don't walk out here and I've got a few notes written down and I read those and I walk off the stage. No. When I walk out here, I just feel like I'm in this spiritual battle. And I feel like I'm in a battle for the souls of our children. I'm in in a battle to protect the life of an unborn child. I'm in a battle not to allow the culture of the world to influence the church. I'm in a battle every single day to make sure the church remains pure, the pure bride of Christ, so that when the Lord returns, that we are ready ready to go and be with Him. Hello and welcome as we lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley Rutherford. I'm Kyle Welch, and we're glad you are joining us tonight. The difficult times we live in begs the question, where is God during our most challenging times? We believe the more the world becomes chaotic, the more we need to draw closer to God and learn to trust in Him. The Bible is our source for all things that sustain us as Christians. Philippians 4.7 tells us that we can have the kind of peace that transcends all understanding, even when the world seems to be completely out of control. Over the next 30 minutes, Pastor Dudley Rutherford is going to share a message meant for everyone listening right now. We know it is no accident you are with us tonight, for God orchestrates all things perfectly. So let's join Pastor Dudley right now with tonight's message. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Take your Bibles, if you will, and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. I want to preach to you on the subject, the only race that matters. The only race that matters. Paul uses the world of athletics uh, to drive home some spiritual truths. All right, so he did it, so we're going to do it. Number one, write this down. He compares the Christian life to that of running a race. They all knew what running a race was, a literal race. He wants them to see that their Christian walk, their life as a Christian is kind of like running a race. It's like an athletic game. He says in verse 24, do you not know that in a race, all the runners do what? Now that's kind of obvious, isn't it? Now he knows it's obvious, but he again He he takes a little time out. He's going to start talking about sports, and he's going to use some analogies uh, in regards to a race. Now, I want you to write these three things down as fast as you can. Number one, the Christian life is not a sprint. It's a marathon. And some people think that the Christian life is this short little race. No. If you decide to be a Christian and you get in the race, it's it's like a marathon. Man, it lasts forever. Number two, write this down. The Christian life is like a race. It begins the day you get saved, and you run this race forever until you die or until the Lord Jesus Christ returns. Number two, write this down. What he tells these people is to be focused and run with a purpose. Be focused and run with a purpose. 
Verse 24 in your Bibles. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the what? The prize. But then notice what he says down in verse 24, and this applies to us. You need to run in such a way as to get the prize. In other words, it it, it doesn't matter if you're in first or second or third or fourth or fifth or sixth or seventh place. When someone looks at you and they see you running, they ought to see you running in such a way as though you're trying to win the prize. You should be earnestly striving diligently with all your strength and with all your energy to win the prize. When someone looks over you, that's what they ought to see. I I love people when, when, when they're competing in a game and uh and they're they're going so hard it doesn't matter what the score is they could be up 20 they could be down 20. you can't tell what the score is by the way they play they play every single moment with passion they give everything they have there might be only two seconds left in the game but there's some people that are giving everything they have i don't i don't really care what the score is i just want to see someone competing as though they're trying to win how many of you agree or can you say amen on that? And what Paul is telling us, now say that. Now we all agree with that in the world of athletics. Paul says this is true spiritually. That when you become a Christian, you sign up, I want to serve Jesus. Bang, the gun goes off. Now you're in the race. And you run and you run and you race until the day you die. You should live every moment of every day with all of your strength honoring God in all that you do. Now, Paul, if you go up to verse 22, you'll see what his purpose was. He ran with a purpose. What was his purpose in verse 22? He says, I have become all things to all men so that by all possible means I might save just some. And he, he knows he can't win everybody. He's going to try, Okay. And when he says, I might save some, some of you might be offended by that. He knows that the Lord is who saves, he know, but he also knows that he's a vessel that God uses to lead other people to Christ, okay? So he says, I, be, I, I, I become all thanks to all men, so that by all possible means, I might save some. I want you to write this down. He lived his life for one purpose, and that was to get people saved. And you cannot argue with the fact, if you study through the New Testament, Paul went on four different missionary journeys— He planted churches everywhere he went. Over in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, it lists all the stuff he had to go through to preach the gospel. He was flogged five times. He was beaten with rods three times. He was shipwrecked three times. Once he was stoned. And it says there in chapter 11 that he worked harder than anybody else. And then he wrote half of the New Testament, the book that you're holding in your hand. He lived for one purpose, and that's to see people come into the kingdom of God. I'm going to tell, I'm going to say, it's going to be shocking to some of you. It's, it is shocking. It's, it's, it's funny. It's almost sad. But do you know that there have been people in the church who've actually criticized me? And part of their criticism is, Pastor, you only care about one thing, and that's getting people saved. You know what? I, I have one word, one word for anyone here who you look at my life and you criticize me and say, Dudley, all you care about is getting people saved. I have one word for you. It's the word, duh. (laughs) I'm glad you noticed. I've been praying that you would notice. 
And oh, oh, how I wish that every single person in this room, that you would have a burden in your heart to see lost people get saved just like the Apostle Paul. Now, whether you win the world or not, I don't know. But you ought to at least live your life in such a way that it looks like you want to win the whole world to Jesus Christ. You might not be, you might not know everything in the Bible, uh, but you ought to live your life in such a way that it looks like you're trying to learn everything in the Bible. As a Christian, you might not be the best Christian in the world. I'll give that to you. You might not be the best Christian, but you ought to be living your life in such a way that it looks like you're striving to be the best Christian in the entire world. Number three, write this down. Here's, here's where it gets really the nitty-gritty of all this. In order for you to be successful or to live this life and to run as though you're winning, it takes self-discipline. Self-discipline. Verse 25 is the key verse. He says, everyone who competes in the games, talking about the Olympic games or the Isthmian games, they go into what's called strict training. Everybody say strict training. Now, in any competition, it takes strict training, self-discipline to be successful. And I have to tell you that I always feel everything in my life, I feel like I'm competing. What, what am I competing for? I feel like I'm in a battle competing for the souls of men and women. Who am I, who am I competing against? I feel like I'm competing against the devil. Because the devil doesn't want anybody to get saved. The devil doesn't want you to get saved. The devil doesn't, doesn't, the devil doesn't want you to go to church. He doesn't, he, the devil doesn't want you to be spiritual. The devil doesn't want you to read your Bible. The devil wants to destroy this church. The devil wants to destroy your marriage. The devil wants to destroy your children. The devil wants to destroy this city. And, and I feel that when I walk out here... I don't walk out here and I've got a few notes written down and I read those and I walk off the stage. No. When I walk out here, I just feel like I'm in this spiritual battle and that I'm one of God's soldiers, so are you, and we're running this race and we're competing for the souls of men. And we're competing, I'm competing to, to have victory over sin because I battle with sin. You battle with sin. It's, it's like a competition to sin or not to sin. And Paul had that same experience. And, and, and so I'm competing not to sin. And, I, and I, I feel like I'm competing to hold families together because we get so much news about families splitting apart and we want to keep families together. And, and we're competing to raise, to raise godly children. Oh, I feel like, I feel like, you know, I, I do everything I can do to raise my child. It takes one person to get them on the wrong track. Just one. And, and when he goes to school, it's not one, it's the whole school sometimes taking them down the wrong path. 
And I feel like I'm in a battle for the souls of our children. I'm in, I'm in a battle to protect the life of an unborn child. I'm in a battle not to allow the culture of the world to influence the church. I'm in a battle every single day to make sure the church remains pure, the pure bride of Christ, so that when the Lord returns, that we are ready, we are ready to go and be with Him. And so in order to be victorious, in order to run the race, in order to run uh, and to receive the prize, it takes self-discipline. And no one, no one likes that. I've, have you ever heard this? It's called God's diet plan. You ever read this? Anyone ever struggle with what you eat? I went through Jack in the Box today. <laughs> and and, and I, did, I, I, I drank water and I justified that and... As I'm driving, they had this big picture of Dr. Pepper. I wanted it so bad. <laughs> but uh, it said, I just want to, I'll read it real fast. God, God populated the earth with broccoli and cauliflower and spinach and green and yellow vegetables of all kinds so that man and woman would live long and healthy lives. Satan created hamburger restaurants <laughs> and brought forth the 99-cent double cheeseburger. And Satan said to man, do you want fries with that? And man said, supersized them. And man gained many pounds. And God created health, health, healthy yogurt that the woman might keep her figure that man found so fair. And Satan froze the yogurt, and he he brought forth chocolate with nuts and brightly colored sprinkled candy to put on the yogurt, and woman gained pounds. And God God said, it gets funnier, Uh, God said, try my crispy fresh salad. And Satan brought forth creamy dressing and bacon bits and shredded cheese and there was ice cream for dessert and man gained more pounds and God said I have sent you healthy vegetables and and olive oil uh, from which to cook them and Satan brought forth chicken fried steak so big it needed its own platter and man gained even more pounds and his bad cholesterol went through the roof so God brought forth running shoes And man resolved to lose those extra pounds. And Satan brought forth cable television and remote remote control so that man would not have to toil to change channels between ESPN and ESPN2. And man gained more pounds. And God said, you're running up the score, devil. And God brought forth the potato. A vegetable naturally low in fat and brimming with nutrition. And Satan peeled off the heart, heart or the healthy skin and sliced the starchy center into chips and deep fat fried them. And then he created French onion dip. And man, man clutched his remote control and he ate the potato chips swaddled in cholesterol. And Satan saw this and said, it is good. And man went into cardiac arrest. And God sighed and created quadruple bypass surgery. And Satan created HMOs.
And so in order for us to run this race, and, and here's what you have to understand. This is where this whole thing comes together. We've been talking about some real serious stuff. We've been talking about sexual immorality. We've been talking about being sexually pure. We've been talking about, you know, not offending people and doing, living your life in such a way that you're not offending other people. We've been talking about being single and remaining single or being married and staying married. We've been talking about it, and all of a sudden he starts talking about sports. Why would he start talking about sports? Because he wants you to know that if you're going to live like a Christian should live, it is going to require some self-discipline on your behalf. Now, I want you to write this down quickly. There's a difference between self-discipline and forced discipline. Self-discipline is where you put restrictions upon yourself. Forced restrictions are when someone else puts restrictions upon you, which really don't do you a whole lot of good. I mean, you know, you have your kids, you'll put them in the backyard, but you got a fence in your backyard. You kid, you go out there and play, but there's a fence. Don't go over the fence. You'd never put them out in the front yard because you'd never see them again, all right? It'd, it'd, it'd be three blocks down. In the back, go back there. It's kind of a, that fence is kind of a forced discipline. Some of you have a leash with your dog. I've seen you walking your dog, and the dog can go wherever he wants, but he's on a leash. He can only go so far. Some of you have actually seen you put kids on leashes. I've seen that too, Okay. But as a parent, uh, you know, you have your son or your daughter, when it's, when it's dinner time, if you let a kid eat what he wants to eat, he's going to have Cheetos every day. Cheetos for breakfast, Cheetos for lunch, and Cheetos for dinner. But you as a parent, you, you put restrictions because when it's dinner time, you make him sit down and, and you've got the green beans and the salad and a balanced meal there. For, if, if not, he would never eat that stuff on his own because he he's, not, he's not wise enough yet to practice self-discipline. So it's the same way, now stay with me, being a Christian. In order for you to live and run as though you're going to win, you're going to have to say no to some things, all right? Uh, you know, doing devotions. You've got to decide yourself. You've got to carve that out. You know, if a mom or a dad makes a kid read his Bible, the, the kid's not going to get anything out of the Bible. But if the young man gets up every day and says, I'm going to read my Bible, guess what? That young man will get something out of the Bible, you came to church today. You didn't have to come to church, but you chose. Man, there's a thousand things to do in L.A., but you chose to come to church. That's self-discipline. And by being here today, you see that self-discipline got you here. You're running the race uh, and, and with perseverance. And, and when someone looks at you coming to church, they go, hey, that guy, he, he must be serious. Now, if your parents force you to come and you're sitting here, you don't want to be here, I'm not sure it's doing you much good because it's forced discipline. You get baptized over here, I could just grab you right now, lady, and just dunk you over there. (laughs) Is that going to do her any good? No. But if she comes by herself and she goes, I want to do this, I I need to discipline myself. Out of all the things in the world, I need to start saying no to the things of the world and I need to follow Christ. Then there's great worth and there's great value uh, to that. Look at verse 26 and 27 quickly. Therefore, I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating the air. Verse 27, no, I beat my body, make it my slave, so that after I preach to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. Point number four is eternal rewards. Eternal rewards. And this is very important. Verse 25, everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it 
Why do they do it? Why do they do it? To get a crown that will not last. But we do it to get a crown that will last for how long? Forever. Now, did you know that the Isthmian Games, you took 10 months and you practiced, you took 30 days before, you trained every day, and then the gun went off and you, you took off and you won the race, you know what they gave you? A wreath made out of pine needles. All that work for that? Yeah, that's what you get. High school, you play, play a whole year, they give you a little trophy. That trophy cost about 20 bucks, maybe 10. Here you go, kid. Thanks for all that hard work, right? The Olympics, you know what they give you for the Olympics? Oh, now we're talking a gold medal. That thing's about that big around. Now, how many of you rather have a gold medal than a wreath made of pine needles? Yeah, give me two of those. But did you know that at the end of time, when the Lord comes back, that that gold medal is going to be about as worth as much as those pine needles? And I don't care what it is that you're striving for this very moment, whether you're looking for fame or fortune, whatever it is you're looking for, the things of this earth never, ever satisfy. He says those who compete, they do it to get a, a crown that will not last, but we do it. Why do we run this race called Christianity and run with all our heart? Because one day we will receive the crown that will last for how long? It will last forever. I want you to write this down. Forever is forever. Forever is forever. I want you to turn quickly to 2 Timothy chapter 4. Throughout the Bible, several verses, passages, the Christian life is referred to as a race. We've looked at one of them today. I've tried to tell you today that you get in the race the day you become a Christian. And once you become a Christian, you're to live every single day and give everything you have to honor God. And if you'll do that, at the end of time, you will receive an eternal reward that will far outweigh any earthly award. The same guy who wrote chapter 9, what's his name? Paul. He also wrote 2 Timothy. The difference is when he wrote Corinthians, he was a middle-aged man. When he writes 2 Timothy, He's an old man, and he's about ready to die. And what you're going to read are some of his last words before he dies. 2 Timothy 4, verse 6, he says, For I'm already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time has come for my what? Departure. And then he says these words. He looks back over his long life, and he says these words. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. And now, verse 8, there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, 
the righteous judge will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but to all, also to all who have longed for his appearing. What you want is at the end of your life to look back over your life and be an old man and be an old woman and look back over your life and to be able to say to your loved ones who are gathered around your deathbed, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. And now there is in store for me a crown of righteousness. Amen? Amen. In these uncertain times, we know as Christians there's a great comfort available to us in the form of prayer. If you feel the need right now for someone to pray with, we have phone counselors standing by, ready to take your call. Our number is easy to dial. It's 888-818-4777. If you are unable to get through on your first try, please be sure to try again. Our phone number again is 888-818-4777. If you would like more information about Pastor Dudley Rutherford, Shepherd Church, or this ministry, be sure to visit our website, liftupjesus.com. Our address again is liftupjesus.com. I'm Kyle Welch, inviting you to join us again tomorrow night at this same time here on KKLA as we lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley.